this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The Jay Allen Show is streaming now on safetyfm.live. Well, hello and welcome to the Jay Allen Show. We are coming to you live from the Safety FM studios in Orlando, Florida. As we have told you from time to time, we will be bringing some different things to this version of the show. As we have transitioned over the last few weeks from the Safety FM flagship show to the Jay Allen Show. Well, I have to tell you with this particular interview, I have been sitting on this one for a few weeks. So as I am doing the recording of this, and this is the intro, and we are live right now on safetyfm.com and on safetyfm.live, I will tell you that this interview is one of these interviews that went on for a very, very long period of time. And as I've always have told people that come onto the show, they are entitled to say whatever they want, talk about whatever they want. So I will bring you this episode wanting you to know that this is kind of free range. You come in here, we have the conversation, and you talk about the things you want to talk about. It be it good, bad, or indifferent. On today's show, we speak with Tamara Paris. Now, Tamara Paris is the host of the Women in Safety podcast. She also has been in the safety and health field for quite some time. Now, I don't want to take too long before we actually get to Tamara herself. So please take a listen to this episode of The Jay Allen Show, exclusively on Safety FM. We can do like a whole radio show. Like right now, I could drop you into our radio station and we could go directly live into the interview. Oh, that's very cool. And, you know, I think that's kind of um, an important thing to discuss because I myself, I'm grassroots. So I'm doing this grassroots style. And uh, what I notice is that a lot of people, they see the outcomes. And, and Jason and Pedro and I actually spoke about this in our, in our just our recent collaborative podcast, is we're seeing a lot of outcomes on the Internet. And we're measuring ourselves and others by that. And when, what we see out on the Internet isn't always what's actually occurring in the background. Right. Oh. Well, I mean, and, that, and that's the fun part there, because what happens, especially when you start taking a look at some of these things, when you start comparing yourself to someone else, that's some of the problems that you run into. That's why I don't ever look at this whole thing where it should be a comparison style. Um, it should just be more along the lines of, are you doing the work that gets you excited on a day in and day out basis, opposed to what is Joe Blow doing down the road? Um, and is he better at it or is she better at it at what they're doing? Absolutely. Absolutely. And when, and when you can get to that place, Jay, where you're being your true self um, and there's struggles. I mean, sometimes you kind of bump along, but but I, I love the way that I, I'm not even sure if it's called a podcast. What I do is really because what I do is I'm a community person and I'm part of the safety community. And I really found that we're very uh, disjointed. And so my question out to the world was, how can we create more collaboration amongst us and more discussion? Because a lot of the time, the safety professional will be alone in their their role in the company. And so we don't really have those people previously to bounce our ideas off of. At least that's where I was 10 years ago when I started all this. And so technology is amazing because it really fills that gap. Well, I think that it's made some connections out there for us, but I think that there's still some of that fear aspect where you turn around and there's some people that still look at this as a very competitive industry. And if I team with you, all of a sudden Mm -hmm. this means that I am putting my endorsement on you. And also at the same time, because I am quote unquote endorsing you, Now, all of a sudden, you might take away some of my potential clients or current clients because I have said she is good to go. Does that make sense? 
It does. It does. And it, I mean, I remember we were kind of chatting on a thread. Like one of my concerns is this, this whole illusion that's been created about thought leaders and influencers and this person's better than that person. The end of the day, we're just all humans going through life, collecting experiences. And what I really want to do is just share my experiences Share my experiences because I've learned from them and hopefully somebody else will share theirs with me. And then we can have both of us learning new different things because I don't want to go through a, a bad experience if somebody else has, if I can already learn from what you've done, Jay. Well, I mean, and that's kind of interesting. And I think that really where I wanted to go with some of this, because your experiences are much different than most people. You started in this from a social worker aspect and then moved your way forward. So how does this journey start for you? That's the weird thing is I didn't even know health and safety was ever a thing. Here's a scary fact is that I worked for a good probably 30 years, 35 years out in the work world. And I didn't even know there was an Occupational Health and Safety Act. I didn't know we had laws in the workplace that were meant to make it safe. And I was a social worker. And I just think that's really sad, wrong, and scary because general public should know about their rights in the workplace because we spend so much time there. And I, I won't digress too much. Um, I fell into health and safety when I was actually on Rotan Honduras and I was helping some people put satellites up onto somebody's roof. And the person that we were doing was a health and safety manager. So that was my first introduction. I was uh, about 35 years old at the time around that to health and safety. So, you know, I'm going to ask the rude question now. What year are we talking sure. about? Um, that year, uh, I'm, I'm going around 2004. Okay. So 2004, but prior- it was just before my son was born. Okay. So, but prior to that, you're a social worker, you're doing social work. All of a sudden you discover this person that's actually in health and safety. So what kind of, I guess, attracted you to it? His care, he came out of his house and he saw what the three of us were doing. And we could have been on LinkedIn thread on a video (laughs) with everybody in the industry laughing their asses off at us saying, oh, look at those stupid people not knowing how to use a ladder. That could have been us because we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't even know there were rules to using a ladder, right? Mm -hmm. It's pretty simple. You take the ladder, you extend it, you put it against whatever you want to climb and you climb. But there's so much more to that. And we were actually climbing on the side of a house. So we were putting ourselves into a lot of risk that we didn't even know was there. And this gentleman that came out, who was the health and safety at a construction site in Rotan, they were putting up houses. He started to discuss with us what the dangers were and how to do the job properly so we were safe. And we took notes and we went and we got what we needed and came back and he taught us how to do it properly. This is The Jay Allen Show. Bring your whole self fully human experience. What does it mean to attend Work Human Live? The HR event where like-minded people gather to bring more humanity to workplaces and the world. Being present? This isn't about running around exhausted to endless sessions. It's about joining the movement to shape the future of work and immersing yourself in positivity, knowledge, and transformative experiences. Bring your whole self to this chance to learn and grow, but also a wholly human experience where you can take time to decompress, get inspired, rejuvenate, and refresh with mindfulness and meditative activities. Connecting with others, it's about human connection, conversation, and collective passion to shape the future of work by making it more human. Find yourself and forge new networks. CTAs register today at www.workhumanlive.com and use code podcast to save $200. Have you learned about a human and organizational performance and you wanted more? Well, now 
is your chance. Fisher Improvement Technologies is conducting an advanced HOP practitioner workshop. Now is your opportunity to learn these advanced top techniques in this two-day workshop that is designed to give leaders the ability to understand and manage integrations of advanced error reduction in organizations, also known as ARO. Participants are provided with multiple experiential learning opportunities to ensure they can use the information in their day-to-day interaction. For more information, go to AeroHP.com. That is A-E-R-O-H-P.com. And click on the link that says Open Enrollment. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. So when this occurs, what do you decide from that point on that this is something that you're interested in going into or how does that start? No, not 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 right away, because I, I stayed on the, the island for a while. And um, but I did start it because I had a that background in social work and I like to resort uh, research resources for people. And I was helping other people do work. And so now that I was aware that there actually are safe protocols for work, I started to research that a little bit more. And through that, that's when I started to to understand that um, the Rotanians who were doing stuff like a lot of gardening, that the different types of gloves that they could be wearing to protect their hands, right? Or the different type of boots that they could be wearing in order to protect their feet when they're using machetes. Like this is the real world stuff that people are dealing with in other countries that we don't even think about in our life, like up here in Canada, right? Because not many of us are going out and using machetes to cut grass. And so once I started to, to integrate myself and talk to different people online, that's when I started to realize there was this, this profession called health and safety. And then I started to even educate myself more about how could I get into this? Because I looked at it as a social worker for business in a way. So this career change, though, were you, I guess we'll use the word afraid when you first decided to do this. I mean, all of a sudden you're doing something that you've been doing for years to go for something that you just recently discovered. You found some things online, but all of a sudden you're going to take this leap of faith of really changing careers. So how does that whole thing look for you at first? Is there fear behind it? It was scary. It was very scary because I had a a degree in social work. I had gone to university and I had mapped out finally what I was going to finally do. Because if you remember in your post, everybody else was talking about their childhood dreams of what they were going to be. I really didn't have any. And and so finally, at, at a certain point later on in my teenage years, I like to work with people who were, I work with Alzheimer's to start senior citizens with Alzheimer's because I'm very patient and I don't mind repeating myself. And then from there, um, that's how I started to work with people who were homeless, right? And people who were immigrant families coming to Canada. It, It all kind of fed into one another. So I had no idea that I would end up here in health and safety and so passionate about it. So the passion starts, all of a sudden you're going for your first, let's say, job, gig, however you want to word it, how does that whole process go? So all of a sudden you go in, they notice that you have a past in social work. They also notice that now you have a degree in health and safety. How does that first job interaction on getting that first job gig, how does it go? Actually, it it gets a little weirder than that for for my adventures in life (laughs) is because after I was working in Rotan and I had started dipping my foot into this thing called health and safety and leveraging now the Mm -hmm. safety manager that I had found on the island and like constantly going back and chatting with him about different things and, you know, what they were doing in the construction and what we could be more implementing where we were. Um, Afterwards, I actually went back to Mexico. And at which point, that's where I met um, an individual who had a a CCTV company um, and securities. 
And so when I was talking to that person about the health and safety and, and things that I had learned, that person was like, oh, well, you know what? This should be really in my business, too, because he had people going up to confined spaces. For the closed, for the closed so, circuit TV? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, and so because uh, they were running the lines. Okay. The cable, right? And so when you're running cable, you have to get into all these different spaces that we don't usually think of because we just see the 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 cameras on the outside. Right, we see the end product, not really the, the process uh-huh. through. Yeah, but I mean, they're they're going into ceilings, they're going into elevator shafts, they're going all over the place in that kind of work. So as you start doing this, all of a sudden now you're inside of there. So that's technically your first job in health and safety, then. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So how does so how did yeah. the process go? And then he country. brought the well, no, he brought the um, he brought it over to the he had stuff in the states and then started up in Canada, oh, okay. and so that's how that kind of led to there, and so that was my actual first job in health and safety. It was basically saying, okay, you know, this is how it goes, right? You're the health and safety person now because you know 5%. I think it's sometimes it, it, go, so it, that go, makes it you goes qualified. that way or it either goes, you're being punished now, you're taking over safety. That's normal in the past. Because yeah. <laughs> you showed some sort of interest in it somewhere. Right. So when you, but, when you, you know, we're very so fortunate. Are you on the behavior side of the house at the time? Is that what you're looking at? Is that kind of the process that you're looking to? Um, you know, when I started, I didn't even know at the beginning about the behavior and all systems and all that. Um, I just came at it like, wow, okay, so what do we need to do here to make sure that things are done as safely as possible? So I did the only thing I did know how to do as a social worker, which was go talk to the employees. And I started having conversations with them saying, okay, so, you know, what have you found you need in order to help make this safer? And what did they tell you? What was the return, especially because that's not normally based on what you're telling me timeline. That's not the approach back then. So this has to be kind of a, a culture shock to some extent inside of any organization. Well, they were a little shocked that somebody was coming and talking to them, you know, but um, they would give me some recommendations and ideas. I would go back and I would research them. And then I would bring back what I found. Sometimes I found better solutions or sometimes the solutions that were given to me was better than anything else I was finding out there. And then we would start implementing them. So essentially, you're kind of jumping out around country to country. You're at, at one point from the stuff that I could find. You were in France. You were, then, of course, you mentioned Rodan, then also Mexico. You get back to Canada. So there's a difference in some of, of course the requirements. So are you having to do all these back end studies on government requests, especially Providence driven based on whatever Providence you're in, in Canada on how these health and safety things apply? Um, I didn't do health and safety in France. That was long time ago. You really look back on me. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. Isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Good job, Jay. Um, that that was long, long time ago when I was younger um, and having some more life experience. Um, the health and safety started really okay. at Rotan. Um, so, yes, you know, I was trying to figure out um, with the, the government on the island if they had any um, expectations, which at that time they didn't. But that brought up that conversation there. Um, And then when you got to Mexico and stuff, I was learning from people who were doing it there what was expected over there. So you kind of had, we'll say, quote unquote, subject matter experts around you that could help you within whatever the guides were for the area. Absolutely, because you can't do it on your own. And anybody who says that they can, I'd be really cautious about because you can't know everything and you can't know what you don't know. You have to learn from somebody. You have to learn from somebody. Well, that's very difficult for some people to, to admit to. So that's, I always think it's interesting when somebody can come on, especially someone like yourself that can make that particular reference. So let me ask a couple of strange things here. So you decide all of a sudden later on that you're going to 
take a step out on your own. So you're doing this now and all of a sudden you're jumping out and doing your own business. How does this come about? See, I don't know. Cause I don't feel like okay. I'm on my own. Um, maybe that's because I, I have the community around me. So I don't okay. feel like that. But you, at some point you had to decide that this is what you were doing. So what was the legal faith where you said, um, okay, I don't have to be tied into a quote unquote corporation. I'm going to do my own thing. Now that you're asking me, Jay, I never really thought about that. I just, I, I had this bigger idea in mind about how do we get those in safety because we're all over the place um, more together and collaborating and, and working so that we're, we're kind of focused. I know I'm not answering the question the way you want it to be answered, but this is the Jay Allen show. Pre-accident investigation media in association with, with, with safety FM presents learning from accidents, advanced investigation, theory and practice. Have you ever wanted to learn about advanced investigation theory and practice? Well, this might just be your chance. On May 7th through May 8th, learn from some of the best in the business. On day one, Dr. Todd Conklin will cover theory and practice of advanced investigation. This workshop does not spend time teaching professionals how to do investigations. Doing investigations is not difficult. This workshop spends the day talking about how to think about investigations using the new view of safety as the present of capacity and not the absence of prevention. On day two, Nip and Anard will cover learning from accidents, the Costa Concordia case. This is about an accident that occurred on January 12, 2012. The driving point with this one. A central question for us has been, what can we learn from this accident and many such high-profile accidents? Drawing on first-hand video interviews with the captain and an extensive research into the accident, we have created a documentary-style narrative for this accident. For more information, go to novelist.solutions. That's novelist.solutions. This event will take place at the Hampton Inn in Las Vegas, Nevada, right off of Dean Martin, directly across the street from the In-N-Out Burger. And don't worry, the hotel does not have a casino. Make sure that you tell your employer. Are you, are you, are you, are you tired of actually going to a safety event? And it's extremely boring. Well, let's go ahead and change that moving forward. Reach out to our team here at Safety Focus Moment. And let us make your next event extraordinary. We can provide you anything from guest speakers to full-blown workshops. To find out more information, go to safetyfocusmoment.com. That's safetyfocusmoment.com. And don't forget to tell them that you heard it here on Safety FM. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. Well, I mean, I look at it this way, and it's not that you have to go down a path that I'm that I'm looking for, but at some point, I look at it this way, especially when you're going into the independent contractor area of life, you're uh-huh. either normally getting a consistent paycheck from company X, or you're doing it on your own where you're getting checks from A, B, and C company because you're doing work with them. So that's why I just asked that question of, how does it change and you're okay with it? Because that's normally most people that are getting into this industry. That's normally their, their fear point starting off of how am I going to get a check week to week or month to month or however the, the pay period or pay schedule works on when they first go out on their own. Cause it's not guaranteed. But if you're saying that you didn't have to have that, you didn't go through that portion. That's perfectly fine because everybody's different. That's the great part about it. Yeah, no, I didn't go through that process in my head. Um, I mean, I was fortunate with Safopedia that I know Scott and Jamie for many years. So it was just like a natural fit to be working. Wait, the Safopedia thing doesn't come out until what, roughly like 2019 or so? But you're doing this on your own now for almost 11 years. When you say Meaning this on my own, about doing are you your, talking your own about work, self free mm-hmm. on 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 no, social like the, media, the independent or where it I'm says that you're actually it says that you were an independent for what I can find an independent contractor based on so ah. unless you were doing two things at once. 
Sometimes okay. I was doing two things at once. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I understand better what you're meaning now. So yeah, people would come to me and I would be working with people on contract basis, but I was also um, having okay. some jobs. Okay. So that's also. probably part of it. Probably so I was doing two things at once. Then. So you were still doing a full-time job, but then just doing this as a side gig. Okay. Yes. That's where the confusion yes. is. Now yes. you've kind of cleared that up because I was like, wow, you are one gutsy person. All of a sudden just jumping out and don't care where money's coming from. So. Oh, no, I'm a single parent. I do care where okay. money comes from. So, so you, but you it's not the so end all and be all. You have with Safepedia many years later from what I can understand. So it was back in June of 2019, give or take. And all of a sudden, when you start doing work with them, shortly thereafter, you decide to do your own podcast. What drove you to do that? I actually did a podcast okay. before. It was called The Safety Changemaker. And why did you decide to stop doing it? I guess it would probably be the first question. And then we can go from there. Um, because I moved over to the women in, doing the Women in Safety podcast. Because I wanted to get that connection mm -hmm. with other women in safety and bring more to light about what individuals are doing in the industry to give more voice. So that almost brings up a question that you sort of asked me in a thread over the weekend then. So if you decided to go with a show that was focusing mostly on women, do you feel that that actually segregates and silos people because you're only focusing on women in safety? Well, on the show, I do bring in other individuals. So one person would be a woman and then the other guest could be anybody else. But that is a concern that I do try to keep in mind in order not to do that. So any particular reason why you went with that particular title then? Um, because I am a woman in safety. And to be quite upfront with you, Jay, a lot of time I struggled to have voice in this industry. And where do you see the struggle come from then? And I'm not too sure. That's a hard question. You know, is it part of our internal um, making or what it is? So is it a concern? I haven't answered that yet. But do you think that it's a concern related that it's a recording that someone will always be able to access regardless of time frame? So what let's say, for instance, you all of a sudden today stop doing a podcast. But if I actually have you set up as part of my downloads onto my my podcatcher, I can still listen to your episode, even if you decide to pull them all. So somebody would still have access to the information, even if you did have a flub. So is that part of the concern? No, I never, ever thought of that. Okay. Well, was I, I supposed know, to? Because you said that the concern of the voice be so that's what I'm asking. Oh, I meant internal voice out into the just, you know. No, I don't. I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what I meant is like just having an um a voice to a platform to speak. But with the podcast, you do have a platform to speak. <laughs> okay. Yes, that's right. I, that's why I, I wanted to have a pot podcast in order to create a platform for people to come and speak. Cause I don't, don't think that people always get that. So you're, you're providing a platform for people to come and speak that you, mm -hmm. so are you almost saying that you're the voice for the voiceless? You're giving them something that they could normally would not be able to have? Well, I think anybody can create a podcast right. this day and age. So anybody could have it. I think um, there's people like doing work, doing their jobs, doing life. And the podcast that I'm hosting, what I'm hoping is it's providing people who normally don't get an opportunity to go on a podcast can come and share their thinking, their thoughts. But go, but kind of strolling through some of your episodes, most of the people that come on to your show 
are related either as founders or presidents of where they actually work. Now, you've had some a director or two on there and some people that were actually program managers, but most of them are founders. Do you feel that those particular people don't have voice or a platform where they could actually speak? Um, I don't think all founders have a voice. You know, um, I think it depends on the individual. Like, I'm very open to having people on the show as guests. But you're still hosting the show and you are leading, leveraging and the question person. So you're giving them part of your platform, which is also part of your internal voice that you're now sharing with the public. I mean, unless you're. uh, Well, mm -hmm. when we do an episode, we collaborate on what what's going to be talked about. Ahead of time. Okay. Yeah. So is that how you actually find your guest onto your show? So it's, this is the subject matter and this is who you go hunting for, or is it more along the lines where all of a sudden they're contacting you and that's what you decide to make the show about? Um, Sometimes I might reach out to somebody, right? Or somebody might reach out to me. And then once that connection has been made, then we collaborate about what what topic is passionate to them that they'd like to talk about. Ah, so this is why I'm probably throwing you off in regards to just doing it straight without kind of any pre-planned conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the great thing about these organic conversations, though, because you don't know you don't know where we're yeah. going to go. And I think that it kind of worked, in, at least in my opinion, and everybody's going to be different. I think it works out a little bit better because we take some twists and turns that we n- might not actually expect. And I think that there's, that it's a good side, oh. depending on how you look at it. Of course, I'm normally the one doing the interview, not the one that's being interviewed. So it makes it a little bit easier for mm-hmm. me than what it does for most people that are on. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, the nature of what I'm doing is I'm trying to give other people an opportunity to hold the agenda. So I'm not creating the agenda for the show. Right. But I'm sure that it causes you to do a lot more research based on that, because all of a sudden, if you're looking at like, when you, I think your last episode, which was like episode 10, and you have Sylvia on, and she's normally talking a lot about mental health. All of a sudden, you have to take a dive to some extent, even though it's some part of your past, into the mental health aspect to be able to carry on that conversation. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. It, it forces you to learn about different topics that you wouldn't necessarily have thought of before. But do you find that sometimes it might not be as informative to your listeners because you might not have a good understanding as the person that you have coming on to the show. And this is just a a question, not picking or anything. I'm just trying to understand how you, how the thought process is and then actually kind of driving the whole sequence. Well, it's, it's more about providing an opportunity for community members to share their thoughts and ideas. So I, it doesn't, I don't need to be the the expert, the topic expert on the show. But it makes it interesting from a hosting platform because you're kind of giving some general direction on how it should go. So do you look at it where when you're actually doing that particular direction and let's say, for instance, somebody's going a little bit further along than what you would normally expect. Do you know at that point if you should kind of gear them back to what you're trying to get the focus on? Or does it end up being one of those things where all of a sudden it just goes wherever it goes? It just goes wherever it goes. Like we we will have um, some talking points before. Like we'll talk because there's two people that are usually on the on the discussion. Right. And so we'll have some talking points. So so we kind of have an idea of where like some ideas of what we want to talk about. But if we start talking about one thing and it kind of organically goes somewhere else, we let it go like a conversation. And right now, what is the frequency that you have new episodes come out? Every two weeks. 
And do you bulk record or do you actually schedule them out? Say I can. Yeah. So do you do multiple multiple recordings at one time or do you do a recording now, wait a few weeks and then do another one and then so on? Um, I do one recording and then wait and then do another one. And so then why? Like, I don't have a whole bunch of, of interviews that I've had with people in the can, like most people do. My, and I'm just only asking because sometimes there's a lot of people that will reach out and go, hey, can I be on and so on, which kind of makes it very interesting. Um, I'm not a big collector of shows and episodes and kind of have things that are months planned out because I think that it can become very stale, mm-hmm. especially if there's anything's changed inside of inside of our little area at the time. Um, so I have a hard time yeah. with that. But I look at it and I go, there's. It's kind of a blessing and a curse, depending on how you look at it. I, I, there's some other professionals that I interact with that are in the podcast world where they'll do 12 weeks at one time. Um, I think that that's, I mean, good for them. I just would not work in my, in the way that I do the show here. Now, the other thing that I find interesting right. that you do is that you actually have multiple people on at one time. Um, I've done that on occasions. I don't do it all the time, but I think that it becomes a little bit more difficult in regards of conversation pieces in regards of what people are trying to do. So when you decided to go down that aspect, because even your first episode where you have Jason Maldonado and Regina McMichael on there, that's one of the ones that you have two people right out of the gate. I know that you had said earlier that you had hosted a podcast prior. So you decided to go with the multiple guest. Was that something that you wanted to do from when you were doing your other show that you knew that that was the the approach you were going to start taking? Well, in my other show, I did look typical podcasting where you interview one person and it just seemed, seemed to get very flat to me, um, as a, as a person who's social and, and likes to, to have an opportunity to hear different people's ideas. And so when I started doing this, this woman in safety, that was one of the things I really wanted to, to to hold true on this um, discussion forum is to have two people from the community join in and have a conversation. So for like example, Regina McMichael was the original guest and she invited Jason. Did you know this ahead of time? No, 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 I didn't know she was going to invite Jason. I mean, they both have, no, and I didn't know Regina oh, okay. either. So Regina, yes, she has the title president. A lot of people do, but she just has a very small consulting firm. So, you know, she's not like this, um, a big name person in the industry. Well, I mean, if you look at it, the safety training ninja, I guess her moniker is pretty well known throughout the industry, depending on where you sit. Okay. At the time, I didn't know that, but I, I figured <laughs> okay, that out got it, afterwards. Got it. I mean, and they both have really good books. I mean, Regina has a, a really good book. Jason has the book that came out back in September. So I, I look at it and I go, you had some some interesting people on as the first episode, even though it was in like your first podcast for EA, but it was something that, had, that you know, that you had done previously. Right. Yeah. They, you know, the, the, the only person that I knew Proceeding, really researching the person was of, and, and JC Good invited her, was Candace Leitner from MAD. Of all the people that I had, when, when, I, when I contacted them or they contacted me, I had researched a little bit about them and, and read that they had done some interesting things and then said, hey, would you like to come and have a discussion? Right? Um, Linda Crockett uh, from the Workplace Bullying Resource Center, um, she and I have known each other for many, many years because I actually knew her back when I was doing social work. Um, so uh, do you know Linda? Not offhand, but that doesn't mean anything. I'm terrible with names and faces. I see a face, I recognize it, I hear a name and I'm like, oh, I'm not sure who it is. And I most of the times I, I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's about right. And that's okay. She she does a lot of work up here uh, in Canada, Alberta, uh, for bullying in the workplace. 
And she's been doing that for an extensive period of time. So what do you look to accomplish in the long term? So you're giving people a platform, you're having them come on, you're letting them kind of give some general direction to the podcast and to your show. And I know you're trying Mm -hmm. to help expand the community. How do you think that you're doing that? Or how do you think that accomplishment will end up happening by what you're doing? Well, I mean, I can already see by people networking together after the show. Like I'll I'll be told by people like, oh, thank you for for doing letting me do the show, because now I got to network with somebody new that I didn't know. And that's very rewarding. Like um, Jen Thorson and Ken Sadlin, they didn't know each other before the show. But by doing the show together, two strangers came together and they had a common interest and now they're they're networking. So essentially you're trying to grow where these people do not normally connect and and have. Yes. I will. I hate the word followers because I think that it's so strange on that. That's what, what they use on LinkedIn and connect. Connections I'm okay with followers. I think it's very weird. So are you looking to build a community around the people that are connected to others inside of the social media platforms moving forward and have your show as the catalyst that's driving that? Well, I didn't think of it that way. Um, I just thought it was kind of a neat opportunity to use a podcast to have two people come together and have a good conversation. So anything that you can tell us that's coming up next on the show uh, that we can be looking forward to? Actually, um, kind of doing something a little bit different is, um, you know, Jason and Pedro yes, from LinkedIn. So we're all going to be doing a collaborative podcast. Well, I know that you have a podcast and I know that Pedro has a podcast, but I didn't know Jason has a podcast. Oh, okay. Jason doesn't have a podcast. Oh, okay, just got it. I was like, huh? I was very confused for a moment there. I was like, I know he has a, I was like, he a, has a social media safety moment or minute, better saying, from what I know. Okay. Yes. Yes. But it's doing the same thing. It's, it's bringing more awareness about different topics of health and safety that we don't typically think about. Well, so all three of us are doing the same sort of thing in, in our own So way. essentially, just to make sure that I have a clear understanding. So everybody, so you and Pedro are going to have the same episode release, but just under your different titling. Yes. Interesting. Exactly. And when, it, and when is that scheduled to come out? Um, in a few weeks. On my side. <laughs> Pedro's probably like, Pedro. I already dropped mine. And his... <laughs> I know, like eh? The X factor of safety is what I believe it is. Okay. Yeah. But that goes back to like that whole competitive thing that you were talking about in the beginning. Like, I don't even see him as a competitor. Well, I mean, and I'll tell you, you're probably one of the few people that say that because I will talk to other podcasters and broadcasters uh-huh. and they'll turn around and say how this is not a competitive space. But let that 30 day mark hit of when a podcast came out and see them taking that deep dive on them wanting to look at their numbers. Because if it's not competitive, that should not be important. If it's not competitive, you should not be looking at what the comments are that people are leaving. If it's not competitive, it shouldn't matter who you have on as a guest. So I have a hard time believing sometimes on what some people say just based on some of the reactions that they have in regards of numbers and who they're coming, who they actually have on. Because as a podcaster, you can create the content whenever you want and you can release it whenever you want. Now, when you start getting into the broadcast Mm -hmm. side, which is a little bit different, then all of a sudden you have to have new, fresh content that's going to drive the audience your direction. But also at the same time, too, you want to provide a good platform for the people that are willing to spend their time to listen. And I think that that's where I have some struggles when it comes to podcasts um, in particular, because on how some podcasts are edited and they're very choppy, but that's my opinion in regards on how they're recorded. And it doesn't go with the continuity Mm -hmm. of the actual original conversation. And you can hear the edit on the podcast when the person's talking. 
Are you talking about no. my podcast? Because I know I'm guilty no, of that I, sometimes. I, no, I, no. I, I do I, it wasn't myself. a soapbox scenario. It's just, if you <laughs> listen to some of the other people that are out there and take a listen, you'll notice. And that's why I always like to talk to people and I give them the platform for as long as they want. Um, some people you'll go on to their show or they might have a show where they turn around and go, it's a 30 minute show and that's it. And regardless of where you're at, it's clipped at that 30 minute mark, good, bad, or indifferent, or it's cut down with some of the other information to get it to that particular mark. So. Right. So your show doesn't have a particular no, length. They, it does. Oh, not have- okay. So like I could keep you on here you for two hours. Actually, I, you would not be the record holder. I actually have a guy that kept me on for three and a half hours. Yeah. Oh, wow. I just totally, <laughs> I just shot on no, that one. That, that was, that's the funny part. Um, but it was one of those things that he kept me on for that period of time. But the way that it ended up working, we were doing a live broadcast. So that worked out for some people if they wanted to listen to it. And then the other side to it as well mm-hmm. was that it was going to one of our main feature stories that we were actually doing a collection of different people that we were interviewing for the particular podcast aspect. Okay. And, you know, I kind of struggle even calling what I do a podcast to be upfront with you, Jay, because really what I want to be doing is providing an opportunity for people in the community to come and talk, come and share. And I don't know, is that really a podcast? Well, I mean, that's almost like a whole conversation that we could have of what is a podcast because they are so different between each one. I mean, you can't really deem one as a certain thing. All I can say that they normally have in common is that they consist of audio content. And that's normally about it because if you could, the same, for instance, if you came on to our network, you'll notice that there's different podcasts that we carry in shows where there's one where a guy talks to himself the whole time. That's the whole show. And it's his ideas and it's his storytelling. And it's about what he's experienced in the field. And then I have another one where the guy is talking to himself the whole time. And it's about him talking about leadership. So I think it just varies. I think that what you have going on, it is a podcast, but it's an ongoing conversation with people that are in the industry and not all of them have to be industry leaders. They also can be people that are out there that are doing what we'll say, quote unquote, the work and giving a different perspective than we'll say, quote unquote, of the people that might have only name recognition. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that's what I would like more of on the show is people who are doing the day to day job. You know, and so, you know, I'd like to reach out more to those people. And encourage them that if it is, if you listen to it and it's something that you're interested in being a participant in, just DM and, and like you more than welcome to come on. Well, I also, and this is my opinion, do you have a difficult time finding those people that are willing to do that? Like, I'll tell you, there is a guy that I've been interacting with for probably about a year and a half right now, trying to get him on the show. If I told you his name, you wouldn't recognize him, but he's timid about coming on because of some of the other people that I have had on. So do you run into a difficulty of trying to get those people? Yes. Yes, I do. And that is something that's a challenge and a barrier that, you know, if you and I both could kind of work together to overcome, that would be great. Because I do think that people who are doing the job day to day, they have so many valuable things that we could be learning from, from, you know, sharing that information. I I absolutely agree. I think that the people that are actually doing the work have sometimes a lot better understanding than the people that are giving you, we'll say, quote unquote, potentially on what could occur. But that's, of course, an opinion. So Tamara, if people want to know more information about you, where can they go to get some more information? Um, well, I'm on LinkedIn, so that's the easiest place to connect with me. Uh, but if you're going to, don't just send me a connection. Like, send me a message about what you want to connect with. 
Like what, you know, what, what are you looking when you're connecting with me and, and, and keep it professional. And I know that you actually have a LinkedIn group so, that you oversee. Is that, oh, is that yeah, something yeah. to where they have to do a connection with you before they can become part of that? And how does that request normally go about? Oh, no. Anybody can join that EHS professional okay. group. That's, yeah. Well, but if you're per- connecting with me personally, you know, just don't send me just a connection or... You know, like, let me know what you're what you're looking to achieve through the networking. I don't even like the word connection. It's more networking. It is right? networking. I mean, what it is what it is. It's better than follower. That's for sure. I don't get that follower thing. Well, well it, it's it's just interesting on how it works. But I guess each brand's going to do their own thing on how they they want to do that. Well, Tamara, I really do appreciate you actually coming on to the show today. Thank you. And this brings another episode of The Jay Allen Show to an end. If you want more information about the podcast, the broadcast, and the different shows that we have available, please go to safetyfm.com. There, there will be more than enough information for you to know exactly what is going on. In the meantime, please feel free on joining our mailing list that is available at safetyfm.com, or also you can actually download our radio streaming app, on the Google Play Store, also the Apple Store, and then you have the availability of listening to us on the Alexa skill. This will bring this episode to an end. We'll be back before you know it. Goodbye for now. Want more of the Jay Allen Show? Go to safetyfm.com. Wondering how you can show your love? Head over now to Facebook and drop a like. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.